That's our music right there. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Punchlines. I'm Frank Nicotero, longtime comedian, lifelong sports fan. TM that. That's my, that's my, that's my hook line, Ryan. Uh, welcome to the lovely South Point Hotel and Casino here in Las Vegas, Nevada, United States, Planet Earth, Milky Way. That's as far as I can go. Uh, another big show for you guys. This is great. Today on the show, he's a local. 1995 AL Rookie of the Year. Marty Cordova will be here. We've already been chatting with him off, off show. He's amazing. He's got some great stories for you guys. But I'm going to bring in the co-host of the show, ladies and gentlemen, completing his third day. I'm calling for the lefty, ladies and gentlemen. Here we go. Calling from the pen, the lefty. Two-time world champion, Denny Nagel is here. Denny. There. <laughs> Can you, what, this is your third day. Give us three in a row. So <laughs> trying. Ryan nods and laughs every time we do it. That's our producer, Ryan McCormick. I don't, I don't recognize him without the mustache. Yeah, <laughs> yeah nothing today. I shaved him. We were talking about this last night. So if you watched yesterday's show, I'm, I'm, thank you if you did. Uh, it was Halloween and we had some fun. Ryan, I just would look over at the beginning of the show. You put a red nose on. I'm like, okay, what's going on? And then I look over again. He has a mustache. Then he has a longer one. Then he just, then he had a dinosaur nose. Yep. Or whatever it was. That was fun. Halloween. You, had to have a fun day. You did. And it was Halloween. And it was a great show. Uh, Greg Vaughn was great. He was hysterical. The best. He was so funny. By the way, congratulations to Greg Vaughn. First guy to drop the F-bomb on the show. So there you go, Greg. Congratulations, Greg. You will be Marty, you got your work cut out for you. <laughs> I think the over-under is one and a half uh, for Greg Vaughn. Uh, but yeah, Greg Vaughn was great. So Greg, thank you. And we got our 500th subscriber yesterday. Up to 509. Oh my uh -oh. God. Did Greg Vaughn? He, he, I think he mentioned a free bottle of wine. And it's true. Yeah. <laughs> Shout and Greg out will 10. Probably, he will come through. By the way, that's how great Greg Vaughn is. He was so concerned. He's like, well, I got to get you guys that bottle of wine. So because I'll just run it up. I live 10 minutes away. So we'll figure out scientifically. Ryan, you can hack in. and. Yeah. I think we were looking at it. It's MikeZilla667. <laughs> I think that's the at. Who at MikeZilla667? I think. MikeZilla, you might be on this show. Contractually, or there's a verbal contract. I said whoever it is will be on the show. So you're ready, Mike. I don't know. We don't know who Mike is. Maybe it's it's not a friend of mine. I don't think. I don't know that handle. I'm just glad you didn't say MikeZilla666. I was like, this could be a really bad idea. <laughs> yep. Um. Yeah. Uh, today, today's date is November 1st, 2020. Oh no, is it November 1st? Oh no, it's happening. It's time. Oh no, it's happening. Denny, it's, too th it's, it's November 1st. No, it's too soon. It's too soon. No. Oh, no, Denny. Oh, no. Do you know what time it is, Denny? I do not, and I'm, a, I'm afraid. It's the thawing of Mariah Carey, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, no. Here we go. Oh, God. She released this video this morning. She hits a high note. And you know what we're, you know what we're in for for the next two months, Denny? Oh, God. There's just one thing. And I. <laughs> yep, it's Mariah Carey's time. Although I do have to admit, Love Actually is one of my favorite holiday movies. Uh, are you kidding? When the little kid sings it and he's drumming <laughs> and then at the airport. Classic. And the whole montage. I'm going to cry right now thinking of Love Actually. <laughs> I saw it in the theater. I don't, I don't even think it was released around Christmas time. And, I don't think it I, was. And I thought it was a great movie and no one really saw it. And then it hit TV. And, and it's, it just exploded. I mean, when you look at the cast that was in that movie, it's incredible. <laughs> and Liam Neeson, you're just waiting for him to beat the shit out of somebody, but he never does. You're like, Liam, they're taking your, they took your wife, something. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't do it, but it is a great movie. Unbelievable. But it is Mariah Carey's time of year. And I, and once again, uh, sorry to everyone who works in the retail business for the next two months. 
that have to hear that in the store. If you've ever been in it, next time you're Christmas shopping or whatever, like Halloween, whatever, it's Christmas. Um, and that song comes on and you're in the Gap or Old Navy or Banana Republic. Or Macy's. Macy's. Just look at the employees and just see the horror <laughs> on their face. Like, oh, God, no. Like, who even goes to the malls anymore? That's what Amazon is for. This is true. <laughs> right. Well, that, well, we're sponsored by the local mall, Denny. So. Uh, I'm sorry. No, the malls really are a great have, place to go. <laughs> <laughs> we have no sponsors on the show. If you'd like to sponsor the show, give us a call. We love uh, it. Mike Zilla, 667. He's going to be on the show. So you know that's going to be good. Um, all I want for Christmas. Do you know how much money she makes a year around Christmas time? There's a figure that I, I Googled it. Ryan, did you look? You, you know the number, right? Or do you not? Okay. How much do you think she makes? Just for that song playing Just at Christmas time? Yeah. I'm going to go $2 million. What? De uh, Marty's going higher. Way over. He's correct. $3 million is what I read. <laughs> $3 million just for that song. And by the way, it's a great song. It came out in 1994. It's incredible. She wrote it. That's where you get the money. She wrote it when she was like, she was like 22 years old. She was really young. And uh, yeah, so she makes $3 million off so of So she was about your dating age then. <laughs> Back in the day. Danny, my God. Oh, Jesus. Uh, by the way, we had dinner last night. We had a great dinner last night. And uh, thank Chris Andrews from the Sportsbook. Chris, who runs the Sportsbook, took us to dinner. And by the way, I think we have footage. Do we have footage of what happened when the check came and Denny Nagel? <laughs> this is what happened when the check came last night. There's Denny. And oh, for Paul was the check, he couldn't. Oh, where's my wallet? I can't find it. There. Wait, is that the check? Oh, whoop, whoop. Yeah, there you go. Denny, what the hell was that play right there? Um, do you remember that? I'm going to take the fifth on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember that one. Was it a bunt? Uh, I think it was a comebacker that hit me first, and then I kind of lost my way trying to find the ball. <laughs> By the way, excusable. I want to put a disclaimer. What was that, right? I said excusable. Excusable. <laughs> I want to put a disclaimer on that. Denny's like the most generous guy when you go out. He always takes care of I was going to say, so. we better correct that. Yeah, we do. No, that's why I, I had a stipulation right here that is purely... For humor's sake, uh, yeah, we had a good time, though, and uh, yeah, thank you, Chris, and everybody. Um, we're going to skip that. We're going to get to that when we get Marty here. Um, oh, yeah, we're talking about the World Series real quick. The Rangers last night, unbelievable. Uh, I know you were in the sports book waiting for me to come down. So we had a, bo a booth again reserved for us, and it said, reserved for Denny Nagel. My name, nowhere to be found. Chris Andrews said, if you win 20 games in the big leagues, you get your name on the placard. I didn't, I didn't get it. So it's like 6.30. I was out running around doing some At 6.30, Denny goes, um, are you coming down to watch the game? The game has been on for 90 down minutes. It's 5 o'clock. I'm sitting there, Ryan, you know, and I'm like, hey, Frank, uh, are you going to meet me down here before dinner or what? You know, oh, dude, I'm not, even, I'm not even at the hotel. I'm like, okay, well, that would have been nice information to know. Oh, I'm sorry, but, I, but what a nice guy. He waited 90 minutes before he called me out. Like, where are you? Sounds like the sports by the book. Uh guest appearance you were supposed okay. to have you know what okay so monday sports by the book is our other show make sure you guys stay tuned today it's on at three o'clock right here on youtube subscribe tomorrow. like follow tomorrow. both of our shows not today tomorrow tomorrow <laughs> you'd think i'd have that scheduled close down. enough tuesdays and wednesdays are their days off i i do a 340 appearance on mondays talk monday football have fun with the guys <laughs> right is it three four what happened 240 240 no it's 340 is on uh Okay, no, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was right, Ryan. I'm Shut sorry. Up. I'm sorry. It happens once in a while, Ryan. He's right once I'm in a while. I'm right once in a while just because you beat me on three bets. Uh, so I'm upstairs and I look at the clock. I go, ah! Uh, and I run downstairs because I'm like, oh my God, I'm late. I totally missed it. I come running in the studio. They're not here because the show was only an hour that day. These guys are laughing hysterically. They're like, don't worry. We all forgot you were supposed to be. <laughs> so I was like, whew. Yeah, but I, I came running in like panic stricken because I'm like, no, I missed my shot. But it was okay. It was fine. Uh, the reason I bring up the World Series is it's now Rangers. Three, well, because it's the World Series, and that's why we're here. Three games to one. Rangers are now leading. 
Uh, Ryan is more happy than anybody because Ryan uh, has a futures bet on the Rangers. Your futures bet is one game away from paying off. But you're, do you still want to be tight-lipped at what the bet is, or do you want to give us I mean, I'll tell you the odds. Yeah, tell us the odds. So it's 13-1. to 13-1 nice. that they win the series, and you place this at the trade deadline. Before the trade deadline. Before yep. the trade deadline. Oh, nice. That's what I was going to ask. When, when did you place it? Yep. Nice. That's a nice That's going to be a nice possibly. payoff. Looking, Denny, looking at Ryan, what do you think the estimate of his bet was on that? You did it here at the – where did you do it? Online or uh, – I did it on my spa Stations Casinos app. Stations Casino. We love Stations yeah. Casino. Okay. Stations uh, Casino. What do you think? Taking a look at Ryan – by the way, he was wearing a very expensive North Face jacket today. Not a very like. big payroll. He's always decked out. I'm going to say you did a $100 bet on that. That would be nice. That would, that would be, be nice. Marty's going under. Marty's going under. Marty, Marty's doing shark sharks over there. Higher, lower. It is lower. Do you want to? Admit? It, it is lower. It is it lower is than lower. that. Is okay. Lower. Fifty bucks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There you go. So that's yeah. six hundred fifty dollars. Right. Uh, it'll be seven hundred. Yeah. Win six fifty. Did you use a new math? I d I'm pretty good at numbers. That was quick. <laughs> I know you were number fifteen. That's what I know. I know, Denny. Every time you know, since I played roulette here in Vegas, when I met, the first time I used to come to Vegas, I always play fifteen for you. And 10 for Cordell. And when I play the Powerball, I always make the Powerball number 15 because of you. Have you ever hit? I haven't hit for shit, but I just <laughs> want to thank you for giving me the number 15 and Cordell Stewart for wearing number 10. All right, let's get into Frank's fast takes. And I'm very excited about this because we have a new graphic. And roll the beautiful bean footage. This is pretty cool. Look at that, Denny. Wow. Yeah, you make 18 shows, you get that. This is our 18th show, by the way. So we're, we've reached the legal dating age. With legal, our show is the legal <laughs> dating age. That's Jeez. maybe why uh, Mike Zilla, 667, he might get a chance to date the show. Uh, and you're old enough to vote now, too. Oh, wow. I was going to go with old Serve in the military. To, yeah, I was going to go with old enough to vote, Denny Nagel, right to the legal dating age. There you go. Right. For you. For me, right. But it's 18. It's our 18th show, so we appreciate everybody watching. And uh, we've been talking a lot about money. Ryan could be uh, a hundredaire. Uh, he could be worth hundreds <laughs> of dollars. A hundredaire. Well, the reason I bring this up is there's a new billionaire in the world that's an athlete. Now, I don't know if you saw this, so it's going to be a quiz. It's a Denny Nagel quiz time. Uh -oh. And we'll let Marty play it, too, if he wants yep. to. So uh, three athletes have become billionaires. Can you name the three athletes that are billionaires? Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods is one. I believe LeBron crossed that. LeBron James and the guy we were talking about who's not a great tipper, apparently. And MJ. MJ. Michael Jackson. <laughs> Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, who is a billionaire, and maybe the reason is because he's not a big Because he holds on to that money, apparently. I did not know. Right before the show, Denny was telling us that Michael Jordan, it's known that he's not, he's kind of... I can only go off what I've heard. I haven't seen it personally, but yeah, there's a lot of rumors out there. I know Charles Barkley even gave him crap about it on when Oprah. they were on Oprah years ago, even too. It's one thing Denny just admitted on the show. He loves Oprah. He's a big Oprah oh, fan. Absolutely. The <laughs> if he club? was a big tipper, he wouldn't be worth two point two billion. There you go. Right. <laughs> so See, this is this is this is stuff for you to learn as you build your yeah, empire, Ryan. Yeah. With your Rangers futures bet, when you become a billionaire, you should probably tip because you don't want that getting. So when, are you saying though LeBron just became the next one? No, or they were the already person. the three. Okay. And I have a multiple choice for you, I believe. Right? Do we have multiple choice? Do we have a graphic? Or we don't have a graphic saying? for it. We don't but... have a graphic. We'll just read it. All right. Here are your multiple choice. Who was just yesterday crowned the next billionaire? Is it, uh, is it Lionel or Lionel Messi? Lionel. Lionel Messi. Shaquille O'Neal or Magic Johnson? Who became the latest billionaire in the sports world? Only the fourth athlete ever. Denny Nagel did not make the list. Mm, man, that's a tough one. Because What's I your know... thinking process out loud here? I'm wondering well, what... because, you know, uh, it's just like F1. You know, the, the European soccer players, you know, met between Messi and um... that other guy. The other guy, Ronaldo, Cristiano yeah. Ronaldo. Cristiano Ronaldo. Ronaldo. I mean, it's just crazy the amount of money that's in F1 and, okay. and soccer worldwide and stuff, whatever. And I know Messi 
got that, that crazy deal also, too. It's kind of like what Beckham did when he came over the to Miami play in the thing, States. Right. Yes. <laughs> he got, like, back-end deals and everything, too. But I'm not sure that kicked in already. Okay. So it's an hour show. So I'm going to go. <laughs> <laughs> he's thinking out loud. That's He's showing his math. I'm going to go with Shaq. So he thought about two. He never mentioned the name Magic Johnson in the correct answer. Marty, do you have a guess? No. He's saying not messy, not. Magic. Magic. Marty Cordova is correct. It's Magic Johnson. Ah. Magic Johnson is now worth over a billion. Now, he only made 13 years he played with the Lakers. He only made $40 million. Only $40 million. Only $40 million, which uh, adjusted for inflation is $110 million. But, of course, Magic uh, he's part owner uh, of Minority Stake and your Washington Commanders. Yes, that's right. I didn't realize that. Yeah. I know yeah, he's he was part with owner of the Dodgers. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, because of his ownership deals. And he's been a pretty incredible businessman himself, too. Yep. That's why I went with Shaq, because I know for a fact that, you know, Shaq, everything yes. he endorses, when, he, when, when they ask him to endorse a product, I'm sure you yes, know. he takes a cut. It, yeah, right? he's yeah. like, no, don't pay me X amount up yeah. front. I'm going to take a cut, the percentage, the stock and options and yeah. stuff, because he knows anything he endorses is going to yes. blow up anyway. General car insurance, all of a sudden, <laughs> it was like, why Shaq got a general? Because general was always the one that was on like at 1 p.m. in the afternoon when you're watching TV. Yeah. So Messi's contract with Inter-Miami, $150 million for two years. Right. So his net worth is $600 million. Oh, And I then Shaq's net worth is $400. Oh, wow. See, I would have thought Shaq is more. Yeah, Shaq, I would have thought that was more. He has like 400 like, uh, Popeyes yeah. and In-N-Outs and Chick-fil-A's. Yeah, he's, he's a genius. He's got everything, yeah. yeah. But it's it's uh, it's 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 magic. But you, you watch so too, and you give Messi probably another five to ten years, oh, and he'll, he'll be there. Yeah, yeah right. he'll hit there. But Johnson, also Equitrust, he's got all this. And by the way, he's done great stuff for the community by uh, investing in local black areas with movie theaters and Starbucks. That's where he made a lot of his money. He's a great guy. And as I told you, when I went to a private Prince show here in Vegas 20 years ago, right before Prince comes out, a giant man comes and stands right right in front of me to block my view. I'm like, oh, come on, bro. Oh, it was magic. <laughs> it was magic. And then magic realized it was him. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. And then he made a gap like this. Him and his buddy, and then I could see Prince because Prince is only this Come on, big. he puts you on his shoulders. <laughs> yeah, wee. Thanks, Magic. Uh, and Magic Johnson, he didn't make his money on a talk show, I'll tell you that much. Uh, do you remember the Magic oh, Hour? Do we have a clip of the, the Magic Hour? People don't remember this. I told my friend, I go, Magic Johnson had his own late night talk show. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, he's going for a Oh, he's dunking a donut. Two of them. So he came out. See, that, that that was pre-taped. They probably did a lot of takes of that. He would come out. He had Sheila E. in the band, and he would do interviews, and it was just – he would just go, oh, no, man. He just – it was it was awful. Who do you think was worse, him or J Ken Groovy Jr.'s wife in that commercial? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the Geico commercial – is it Geico uh. Progressive? Ken Griffey's wife is not a good actress. I mean, she looks like a beautiful lady, but – Very nice, yeah, but uh, – Hey, what do you mean? This is a nice shirt. <laughs> She's not a good actress. We've talked. I feel bad, but yeah, I don't think she's going to win an Academy for that one. She is not going to win. Um, all right. Um, Geico. Halloween. Are we going to do the Halloween? You know what? Should we bring Marty Cordova in? Or are we going to do? Let's bring Marty in because we're having fun here. Sure. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to bring him in right now. He's from Vegas, old friend of Denny Nagels. Uh, he is the 1995 Rookie of the Year. Ladies and gentlemen, Marty Cordova. <laughs> Marty is here. Yay. I know we're going to let's just bring him in because we're having so much fun, and he's been right on. He was higher and lower. He's been doing it, uh, making me look bad. Vegas guy. What's that? I said the Vegas guy. The Vegas guy. You're, you were, you're a local guy. Yeah, and also Perry Rogers is his manager, and he's a very good friend of mine from high school, so I know a lot more about Shaq than you guys would. Oh, <laughs> remember, remember I was saying that? Yes. I, dude, I just saw an interview not that long ago with that uh, your boy Dana White did, because Dana White you graduated with as well, yeah. right? Yeah. Wow. But just from your graduating class alone, you, 95 AL Rookie of the Year, Dana White, 
And then was it Perry Rogers? Perry, but also Lorenzo Fertitta, who owns Station Casinos that you spoke of. There you go. And he's going to be taking money from your friend. Yeah. That, Brian, <laughs> well, you know good His friend stuff. pays my I mean, dad. It's crazy enough that all those guys just went to the same yeah. high school, but that's from the same graduating class. Yeah. Lorenzo and I played Pop Warner football together when we were 10. And then I knew Dana at freshman year of high school. And then Lorenzo and I played football, obviously, in high school. We were wow. state runner-up. Don't want to get into that loss of that state game, which bothers <laughs> both of us. Now, wait, 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 who'd you lose to? We lost to Wooster. It's arena. Oh, uh, okay. Now, were you at Bishop Gorman? No, not yeah. Yeah. Bishop, Bishop Gorman. Gorman. Okay. Yeah, the old Bishop Gorman on, on Maryland Parkway that we didn't even have a football Downtown. field. We didn't have a baseball field. We huh. used uh, UNLV's football stadium, and then we used Hadland Park, which was terrible. We didn't even have a home run fence. So if you hit a ground ball hard, it was a home run. <laughs> it was like playing wiffle ball or literally if you just yeah. hit it far <laughs> enough. Um, Marty, so, uh, Shaquille O'Neal is, you so do you, have you ever met Shaq? I mean, yeah, I've met him a couple of times, but he wouldn't remember me, but okay. I've met him a couple of times. Shaquille O'Neal, he's hysterical. I love Shaq. Have you ever heard the story where Shaquille O'Neal claims that Stevie Wonder can see? <laughs> I have not seen it, that one. <laughs> if you can pull it up, Ryan, it's on YouTube. It's, it's, he, he was on TNT show with Ernie Johnson and Kenny Smith is like, tell the story, tell the Stevie Wonder story. <laughs> Shaq tells the story about living in the building with Stevie Wonder and how we'll get to it. If you find it, if you find it, let me know because it's only about 20 or 30 seconds. You have to hear this story because there, there's like these conspiracy theories. Stevie was on stage with Paul McCartney in front of Barack Obama doing like a performance for Barack, and McCartney knocks on Mike's hand over, and Stevie Wonder goes like this, <laughs> like that. So I don't know. I, I mean, I believe he's definitely has. Some Dude, story. when I when I was at the Braves in '98 spring training, I don't know how Klesko knows everybody. Ryan Klesko Ryan somehow Klesko. his people knew uh, Shaq's people, so. Shaq had, had still had his place in like Bay Hill and Orlando. So we were there for spring training the first year at okay. Disney Wild World Sports Complex. So Ryan rented out Shaq's house that spring. <laughs> so we were always over there hanging out. Dude, my dad came down with his buddies and stuff, man. So Shaq's got that S Superman, you know, oh, God, bed yeah. cover and stuff, whatever. And it's the most massive bed I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> you know, I remember my, my dad gets on there. <laughs> no. Hell yeah. Laying in Shaq's bed and stuff. He had like a 22-car garage. I mean, the place was just sick. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, yeah, but... You know, that's amazing that all that talent, all those people in one high school. And were you better at football or baseball? I mean, obviously you went with baseball as a good move, but were you a good football player? I was probably better at football because our baseball team was terrible. <laughs> uh, and, and sports in, in Vegas at that time was very not like it is today, where right. Borman's number one in bas basketball, football, and baseball. Huge, they're, they're Everything. And our football team was what everybody went to Gorman for. Wow. We were known for football. So, yeah, I was receiver. For football, and then I had scholarships to maybe like Washington, Oregon, some of those schools. Well, some big, yeah, some Pac-12 schools. But, but I knew that I, there's a good chance that I might not walk out of the college, you know, because it's, it's it's such more of a contact sport. Yeah. And, I, and I knew I had maybe more of a future in baseball. So, but even then, I really didn't think I was going to be a major league baseball player. I wanted to go to school. I really didn't even want to be a baseball player. I really? Like, if I do, great. If I don't, I, I, <laughs> well, the way I signed is a funny story. Larry Corrigan, who he knows. He had me on the phone. I was going to Cape Cod the next day. And I, once you go to Cape Cod, you're not eligible for the draft that year anymore. I was at like 12 o'clock at night. My flight was at 6 in the morning. I'm like, look, I got to go. I don't, I don't want to play baseball for the Twins. I'll never make it to the Major League. Jeez. I want to go to school. I want to go to SC. I want to be a doctor. I want to do sports medicine, oh, help wow. athletes. But I'm not going to be a baseball player. And he's like, come on, you, you, you could do this. And I'm like, I can't. I, I don't want to do it. And he said, what if we gave you $40,000 a year for scholarship to, to USC? And then if you quit after a year you can always go back to school and now i'm like oh, damn he took my excuse away from me. <laughs> <laughs> so i literally signed like all right whatever i'll, I'll do it that's incredible yeah. that's great i didn't really want to do it i had real long hair and i was more into you know partying and girls and i, I remember <laughs> the long hair marty yeah. no way that's yeah. incredible denny you were you always knew baseball right 
Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, from the, from the time I was probably five or six years old, I remember my mom used to collect our little scrapbooks that she used to have us fill out when we were kids, you know, oh, and I cool. think when I was four, I put policemen, five firemen. And from the time I was six on, I was like, wanted to be a pro baseball player. But during your stripping days, you were a policeman <laughs> and a well, fireman. I, I doubled, yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. You know, right. the thunder from own, down did under. Did you have a stripper name? Uh, what was your stripper name? Did you have one? Uh, yeah, it was... Uh, Officer? Rock Fitzwell. Rock Fitzwell. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we still haven't broke to Greg Vaughn. Uh, we still haven't broke. We haven't swore, but we're walking the line. Um, so you get drafted. I mean, you, you, you come to the Twins, 1995 Rookie of the Year. Which is incredible. So that had to. That's when you realize. All right, wait. I am good at baseball. You're in the bigs, and you win rookie of the year. Yeah, it was. It, there was a lot of trials and tribulations on my way up. Yeah? I didn't really try too hard the first two years. I was again not into baseball, and wow. then I decided to. Uh, Steve Little was our manager in Visalia, and, and I, he's like, "You got one more year left. If you don't come to spring training in shape and take it serious, you're done." Luckily wow. for me, and where Danny comes into this picture is, is the universe comes together is I came in in really good shape. I was hitting great in spring training, but we had Midre Cummings, who was our first-round pick. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, and uh, he was going to be the left fielder for Visalia, and, I, and they didn't know whether I was going to be a fourth outfielder, make the team, or what. Well, fortunate for me, we traded Midre for Denny yeah. and opened up the position in left field for Visalia. I went on to hit like 341, 28 homers, and 132 RBIs <laughs> in 131 games. Oh, my god! And that kind of launched me into being a prospect. Yeah, and then I remember when you came into the major leagues. And I, uh, by the way, I was looking to see who the National League Rookie of the Year was that year. You probably know Nomo, and yeah, Dave yep. Nomo. But second, a Hall of Famer, Chipper Jones. Chipper Jones. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, that was that was a big controversy because no, you know, with Nomo, and then I think did Ichiro get it too? I'm pretty sure. I think he did, but he was like 30 or something. Right, but, 30, but yeah. same thing. Nomo had pitched like six years in the yeah. Japanese professional leagues too. Yeah. So we were, you know, well, that was the next year I went to Atlanta. But I know. All the Braves fans and stuff were pretty pretty ticked off about that. And I but think Chipper had played the year before and had quite a few at bats, so it was kind of whether he was really a true yeah. or not too. So there was a Chipper was awesome. Yeah, you know he deserved it. Oh wow, that's amazing. Um, One more quick story, if you don't mind. Yes, yeah, please. That's why we're here. Yeah. So uh, again, things just happened for me. Luckily in baseball, a lot of things is timing, luck, and, and a little bit of ability, obviously. But yeah. In '94 was the year. Uh, you know, the OJ Simpson thing happened. I was in AAA, had a really great year. I was going to get called up, but we went on strike. So when we went on strike, Shane Mack was the outfielder for the Twins, and he was a stud. <laughs> yeah, he was. And so now I'm going to be maybe an outfielder, but now Shane Mack's there. So the strike actually really benefited me because he then signed a four-year, $16 million deal in Japan and left the United States, and then left field opened up for me. That's so, right. like, these crazy things happen, and I've just been really fortunate. Oh, wow. I'm sorry. I'm confused. You said something about an O.J. Simpson thing. I don't know what, <laughs> what was... What, did something well, happen with know. him? Yeah, what happened? happened? Did he... He won a Something about a glove that didn't fit? Bronco, or? something. Well, he was, no, he was football. He had he a Wilson glove. glove, maybe? Or... <laughs> yeah. Broncos? He played for the Broncos? Yeah. The I'm very confused. Nordberg. Why <laughs> <laughs> Nordberg? And that was, the, that was the most impressive thing right there. Um... So uh, I want to talk about uh, Denny for a second. And I don't know. I've been holding this story because we had Tim Neverett here. Tim Neverett's now currently does. Uh, he's a play-by-play for the Dodgers. He did the Red Sox and he did the Pirates. And Tim Neverett said there was a story about you, Denny. This is nothing bad. <laughs> <laughs> now he says, he goes, I'm 90% positive. This is a true story that Bob, you were pitching and Bob Walk was calling the pitches from the dugout and you didn't realize it. Do you know this story? Was it when I threw the two-hit shutout? No, you were pitching a no-hitter. Oh, almost a no-hitter, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and you didn't realize, and then Bob Walk was getting nervous, and LaVallier didn't tell you, and they didn't know. So tell, never told us the story a little bit, but yeah, tell us. Yeah, no, <laughs> because, I mean, that dude, that whole thing, like how that happened, like you said, like timing and everything, the way things work out sometimes. It was in Montreal. I hated pitching in Montreal. I used to get my <laughs> brains beat in there. The field was awful. The turf sucked, you know, whatever. The fans were... 
the fans would blow these horns all game, you know, Ugh. like those vuvuzelas or. And whatever. I used to, and every time I used to get my brains beat in, and you would take the subway back you know, up in Montreal, right back to the because it was much easier than waiting for cabs or if you wanted to wait for the team bus. Right. And I remember I would get my brains beat in, and <laughs> they're blowing the horn next to me, and I'm like, oh, this is great. So, anyways, <laughs> I'd gotten sick as a dog on the flight in coming the night before, and so I was loading up with vitamins. They hooked me up with an IV in the you know in the locker room and the training room and stuff too. I didn't even know if I was even going to be able to pitch. Wow. And I'm pitching against Pedro that night too. So I'm like, <laughs> all right, well, let's just go get this one you know out out of the way, you know, and get it over with. And so I think that helped me out a lot because I was just like. Like, you know, kind of like you said, Marty, like, you know, sometimes you're just like, I, I don't really care right now and stuff, whatever. And then sometimes that's the best thing that happened. Yeah. But then after the fact, yeah, I'm out there. I had a one hitter going up until like the eighth inning. And the only hit was a David Segui chopper to Carlos Garcia. Dave Segui. Yeah. 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 And he wasn't exactly fleet of foot yeah. either, too. <laughs> and Carlos kind of had to go up the middle. He kind of bobbled it for a second through and pulled our first baseman off the bag. Ended up being a base hit. And there was like two outs in the eighth inning now. And that's the only hit. And our like uh, you know, sports information director was saying he was getting ready to go up and raise some hell with the oh my God. with Is this that official score. I think Jimmy was yeah. I think Jimmy was the one that Jimmy was going to be yeah. doing the arguing because they're like this can't if this ends as a one hitter that was it was really questionable. And then so thank God really David Segui comes up again, uh, you know, change up off the end of the bat, duck fart into right field, you know whatever gets the second hit. And so you know they were you know thank God that happened. But afterwards yeah, Milwaukee's like. You know, I called that whole game, right? And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> so Bob Buck's sitting in the dugout, and he's giving the signals. So I think Tim never said it was something. He had a towel. Yeah, real simple. Because yeah. you would never think he's going to be doing that. Yeah. You know, Walkie was such a goofy guy anyways, too. <laughs> and he's so great on the Pirate games. Bob Buck, who pitched uh, for the Pirates and won a ring with the Phillies his rookie year. Absolutely. That, that's what always bothered me, that he won his <laughs> ring with the Phillies. Ryan, did you have something? Oh, Dude, I, I remember at the end of the 92 season, we had, in 92 season, we had already clinched the playoffs, you know, so we're finishing out, I think, the last three games in Wrigley. Okay. Yeah. And so a bunch of us are cracking up in the dugout, and Leland's going, what the hell's going on, guys? Damn it, we still have a game to win. I know we've already clinched whatever. Right. We're like, Skip, look up. Yes. Walk. Yeah. Walk was up in the where they flipped the scores manually and stuff. <laughs> He's up there doing that, you know, and waving to us through, like, the, the zero, you know, whatever, on the scoreboard <laughs> in center field in Wrigley. <laughs> like, hey, guys, what's going on? Then he went in right field, you know, had a trench coat on, was hanging out with the fans and stuff during oh the game. Um, so, 92 Pirates, how'd that season end? Uh, I don't want to talk about it. Francisco Cabrera, Sid Bream, let's not talk about it. So, that means you faced Pedro Martinez in that game, hitting. Did you ever face Pedro, Marty? Unfortunately, I did. What was it like facing Pedro Martinez? I mean, I just watching at home, it's a wiffle ball. I mean, in his speed, yeah. I mean. Uh, Denny knows this better than I do. As a pitch, any pitcher that can control, like, six pitches and, and locate them, because he could locate his sinker, his cutter. His curveball, both spots. His slider, both spots, and his changeup. So and through ninety-five plus. Yeah, and he had great stuff. So yeah, I did. I, was... I did get my first big league hit off Pedro Martinez. You well, did not. I did. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. Oh my! Did you keep the ball back then? Oh yeah. It... Okay. Was, did, did he buzz you the next day? Because is it <laughs> bad etiquette to say I want that ball because I got it's your first hit? No. I guess. It's yeah, okay. he understood that. <laughs> and you, ha I didn't realize pay off of Pedro. Off of Pedro. What other of all people. Did you get hit, like like I hit off? I, I got a hit off Randy Johnson. Oh. Yeah, I had a few in my books. Yeah. Well, what's really impressive is he can say something I can't. Because I faced Pedro 23 times yeah. and never got a hit. Are you serious? <laughs> and the only time I did get a hit, it was a base hit up the middle when I played for Toronto. Uh, Nomar dived for it, and it, he then uh, got up and threw it. And there's no way he could have got me, but they called it an error. And I'm like, really? Uh, We're at home? <laughs> it didn't like, matter because we weren't winning the game. Right but I was like, I really would have liked to have a hit off him. But yeah, he was one. Of, him and Rivera are two guys I, I never got a hit off. Oh, uh, Mariano Rivera, yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Well, you, you played with him, right? But I mean, he was nasty, right? Oh, gosh, the, the, dude. I mean, it's unbelievable. No one, 
that one Knowing pitch, it's coming. everybody yeah. knows it's coming. That shows you how good a pitch is. Because as you know, Marty, I mean, Marty will test to this, being a rookie of the year and, and a great hitter himself. When you know there's only one pitch that you have to look out for, you would think at some point the hitters could adjust, but that's how nasty that pitch was. I want to double down on that because I say to anyone, I think he's the best pitcher that ever played the game. Because I'm not just you know, bragging about myself, but any major league player that was a decent hitter, if I knew what pitch was coming, yeah. I'd be in the Hall of Fame. I might have <laughs> hit 420. I would have statues of every team I played for. I'm not joking. Because even look, look at Houston, and they thought they were tipping pitches. When you know what's coming, you just don't swing at the curveball because it's hardly ever a strike, or you make it elevated. You can look for pitches in certain zones. And if you look at the hitting charts, you're like 3-1, I would be hitting 475. Three uh, two zero right. four eighty five, and then when it was 2 you're hitting oh sixty three. Yeah. So when you don't know what's coming, it makes that's what makes hitting hard. I used to take batting practice in Toronto with Carlos Delgado, and, and even David Wells he wrote a jersey to me and said, "To the best five o'clock hitter I've ever seen in my life," because <laughs> I would hit balls like his five hundred, six hundred feet, and Carlos couldn't even hit him that far. And he's like, "How do you hit him that far?" And I'm like, "Well, because I had pretty good bat speed." Right. And I'd, he's like, why can't you hit 30 or 40 home runs in the season? I said, because they don't tell you what's coming. <laughs> and they don't lob the ball in like in BP. It's like a 60-year-old you know? coach. <laughs> yeah. That's a big difference. Oh, my God. That's a great story. So about about baseball tonight, there's the lines here at South Point Casino. So that's pretty even right now. I mean, Arizona's at home. They got Zach Gallon going versus Valdi. Uh, I mean, do they close it out tonight? I mean, have you been, you've been, you, we've been watching the series together. What are your thoughts, guys? I, I think because of the fact Evaldi had a tough start his last one, I think he's going to bounce back, you know, because he's, he has proven, like Marty and I were saying earlier, even when he's had like just so, so average regular seasons, you know, p- pitching wise, that guy is one of those guys who just seems to be able to turn it up a notch in the postseason. So I'm going to say he's going to, he's going to come lights out tonight and I think he's going to finish it off. Rangers in five then. What do you think? Marty? I, I pretty much agree. And and again, it's very difficult to win three in a row, especially yeah. against a team. I think Texas is better. Yeah. So if Texas can come out and Seager can hit a home run or they score <laughs> early, it's it'll be over. And Corey Seager around, we, around time was plus three fifty to hit a home run and I was going to take it and I didn't. And we were talking about that last night. I don't know if you saw it, Marty, but they put up a stat in the, in the game last night that Seager at, after 77 postseason games now, compared to Reggie Jackson, Seager has 19 bombs and 49 rubies, and Reggie had like 18 and 48, so he's even ahead of Reggie's pace. Impressive. That's pretty incredible. And they scored 10 runs with two outs. I don't, that <laughs> yeah. had to be a, a record for the World Series. And 10-0 and 0 on the road. Yeah. I mean, they're just not losing. That's unheard of. And Garcia, I think he has 20 RBIs this postseason. Yeah, and he's yeah, not he's even, gonna, and he's yeah, not even he's playing. He's not even going to finish out. And he's done. Him and Scherzer are sitting in the dugout going, well, what, what size Go get me a ring, boys. What size ring do you wear? Yeah, let's, let's get fitted for this. Anything going on over there, Ryan? Um, Bob Dell just wanted to know what your one year in Baltimore was like. Oh, he, he's uh, in Baltimore. Yeah, Frank's buddy. He's yeah, he's a DJ Baltimore. in Baltimore. He's a big Baltimore. He's a Pittsburgh guy, but he lives in Baltimore for the past 20 years. Well, you years. mentioned Sagi. He was my teammate there in Conine, Brian Roberts. Uh, Jay Gibbons is a real, still a real good friend of mine. We yeah. talked quite a bit. It, it was uh, My 2002 season was, was not great. It was okay, and I had a, a decent year. And then the next year I came out, I started to have uh, elbow injuries. And then I, after the – like the sixth game, I had had a decent start to the season, and then I had to have surgery, and then it just ballooned into Tommy John surgery. Oh, that's And right. then I tore the tendon off my bicep again. It was three surgeries back-to-back. Back. And then just to be honest, uh, Lou Mazzelli was the manager, and he – I think if I'm correct correctly, I, I might, no, not Lou Mazzelli. It's, uh, I'm messing it up, the Italian guy. Lee Mazzelli. Lee Mazzelli. <laughs> Is it Lee Mazzelli? No, but, no it wasn't no, him. Leo Mazzoni. No, it was – I think he was – I'm being an idiot. It, anyway, he was the manager, and I wanted to come back. And DH, at least, and the team, they take insurance on you. They wouldn't let me come back until uh. I could play the outfield, and I was still having trouble throwing. So they were just doing kind of anything they could. And I understand it to not have to have me come on the field. So I, and the team was terrible. 
So it just ended my career that way. And then I ended up having back surgeries and I was kind of done with baseball at that point. Great question, Bob. Most depressing story of all time. <laughs> way to go, Dell. But the stadium is amazing. I love playing for Baltimore. It was my yeah. favorite field before I went there. It's it's the, the stadium and the scenery and the and the and the fans when you're winning, like anywhere. But the fans there are really good when they win. That's a good question. Favorite stadium? What was your favorite stadiums to play in, Danny? I, I love playing in St. Louis. Really? The yes. old stadium? The old one, the new one. You I know, saw you pitch there, I think. I think I saw a game. I think I was shooting street smarts in town, and I think I saw you I've, pitch. Because I've always said, man, they're some of the most knowledgeable baseball fans out there. They yeah. really are, you know, and, and they, they just appreciate good baseball, too, because I remember plenty of times where, you know, we'd be winning two to one in the se bottom of the seventh, and Andrew Jones would make a diving catch yeah. to, say, you know, the, to save the couple runs, you know, with the go-ahead runs, and the fans would be like, Dang it, Jones. Nice yeah, catch, right. man. I don't like you, but that was a good catch. <laughs> Defense alone, I think Andrew Jones belongs in the Hall of Fame. I mean, I, I hit a home run in the World Series when he was 19 or 20 years old. Yeah. He, people, I don't know if you realize, if you're not, there's probably a montage on YouTube. Andrew Jones was the best center fielder. Dude, unbelievable. I can't tell you how many times, Frank, oh. but I would get, I would make the pitch and, dang it, you know, whatever. And there's Andrew just flagging it down. Yeah. He played the most shallow center field yeah. I've ever seen anybody play. Because he knew his first jump, his first step on the, on any ball was just unbelievable. He's he had the most incredible instincts. So even if it was hit over his head, he had the ability to go get it. But you know that those line drives or bloopers that most yeah. most center fielders wouldn't catch, he caught because he played so shallow. I, I, again, he robbed the, uh, the Pirates all the time. Or every, he, I hated him, but he was. You have to respect him. It was like when I was a kid, I hated Pete Rose, and then as I got older. I became a gambling addict. I don't, <laughs> want, I don't want to speak for Denny here, but I've heard that exact same sentiment, and, and I'm sure he will say this. You want the chink ones that you make a good pitch caught. Yeah. And if a guy smokes a double in the gap, you're not going to catch it anyway. Right. You made a bad pitch, so you can live with that. 100%. But when balls keep dropping in front of center fielders, you're like, dude, come <laughs> on. I made a good pitch. The guy put a bad swing on it, and I'm getting punished. Yeah. So, and then Absolutely. you can throw guys out at the plate. And, yes. and I, I think, just me, I don't know Andrew Jones personally, but it didn't seem like he was uh, – like he was so nonchalant. Yeah. Like if he would have put more effort into it, who knows what he really could have been. And I'm I'm speaking out of town yeah. here. I don't know what his work ethic was or that, but it just seemed like he was very like just having fun and not taking it as seriously. Right. Had he of, like even more applied himself, yeah, possibly yeah. he'd be an automatic Hall of Famer. Absolutely. What was your worst stadium that what what stadiums did you hate the most to play in? Was it Montreal for Mine you? Mine was Montreal for yeah. sure, yeah. Um, I didn't like playing in Oakland. I, I <laughs> no, hated playing in Oakland. Yeah, right. <laughs> and for the reason is the left field uh, is where I played left field yeah. and the stands always the cheaper seats are in left field and they had these guys out there. That were, <laughs> oh my God. I tell this to my friends all the time. They had one dude with a megaphone and then the rest of the crowd. And he would, when I come out there, he'd go, what's the matter with Marty? And the whole crowd would go, he likes boys. What's the matter with Marty? He likes boys. And then I'd be at the, pl <laughs> I'd be at the plate hitting in the first pitch strike. Oh, one, you know, they knew the count. Oh, and then if I would hit a home run, my first at bat, because I did hit okay there, yeah. I'd run out the field and they'd be like, steroids. Oh, like, you, you couldn't win. It was nonstop. First of all, are you allowed to bring bullhorns into stadiums? It was a megaphone, oh, like a, cheer, oh, a, cheer, okay. a cheerleading megaphone. Right. Oh, we have a Bishop Gorman one here, don't we? Or is it yeah, gone? we have Alex's. Oh, yeah, we had Alex's from when she was a UNLV. It's been around. We have a Bishop Gorman a one. Bishop Gorman. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's where he went to school because yeah. Alex White went there. But oh my God, that's just terrible. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, the a and how many fans were at those games? Well, that might have been when they were good. So they I weren't know. great, but they're always sold out because the left field seats were so cheap. You know, I was I, I I told the story before. I was doing a show there, and uh, it was a Sunday afternoon, and me and whoever the other comic I was with, we started walking into the stadium. And the guy saw us. Goes, hey, you guys, going to the game? We're like, yeah. He goes, ah, come with me. And we're like, whoa, we're in trouble. He just took us in and let us in for free. He didn't care. Like, yeah, sit down, sit anywhere you want. There was like a thousand people there. He didn't give a shit. He was just like, sure, come on. I think he wanted the team to be sold. Maybe, maybe mm -hmm. he knew. He knew that the 
Or they hope you buy a $43 Coke. Yeah, right. <laughs> now, I, I want to say, no, Sandy, I saw you pitch San Diego. I, you were playing for the Rockies, and I came and well, saw that. that was by far my favorite place to pitch numbers-wise. Yeah, oh, Jack, was that Jack Murphy? There, yeah, right? the old Jack Murphy. Even though, you know, it wasn't necessarily considered the best pitcher's park. Yeah. Because it was, Jack Murphy was a pretty, you know, the new one, Petco. That, that place That's is unbelievable. huge. unbelievable, yeah. Yeah, so it's a great place to pitch. Beautiful. But there's just something about knowing that every night that you pitch, it was going to be 72 degrees and beautiful out, you yeah. know, and stuff. It just pumped me up to go pitch there. So I, I think I had like a 1.3 wow. career G, uh, GPA. You, were, you had a GPA. <laughs> GPA uh, you never had a <laughs> GPA was about lower than about that. 2.3. <laughs> and Ricky Henderson was on the team, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. On the Padres. Yeah. Uh, and he, uh, he, I remember you came out. I met you at a tunnel or whatever. And there was like a Rolls or a Bentley or something parked right there. And I think you're like, yeah, they let Ricky park there. Dude, I was just telling uh, at the golf trip with Pete Harness and those guys. Okay. I was just telling some of the Ricky Henderson stories, dude. I don't know if you know about like you know, he's legendary, Marty. Oh, for some, uh, give, of the, a, give us a Ricky story. One of my favorite of ones is uh, Steve Finley was on the was his teammate, you know, the outfielder, whatever. And sure. so they're getting on the bus, getting ready to head to the airport, oh. right? And so Ricky's sitting at you know up front in the bus next to a rookie, and Steve Finley goes, "Ricky, what are you doing doubling up? You know, you got tenure." And he goes, yeah, Ricky don't got 10 years. Ricky got 19 years in the big leagues. <laughs> I heard that one. Because Ricky was one. supposed to have his own seat. <laughs> yeah, veterans in the back. <laughs> 10 years. Yeah. The John Olerud story, is that oh, true? Oh, that's 100% true, too. Okay, yeah. I heard that, too. Yeah, yes. right. John Olerud, who, who had, like, brain surgery. He had, like, a brain aneurysm, yeah. brain surgery when he was in college. Yeah. So he always had the hard, the hard hat, the hard helmet, helmet on. Playing first base in the field. Yeah. So him and Ricky were already teammates in Toronto. Now they're teammates in New York. Ricky comes up to him and says, hey, man, why you got that hard helmet on, man? He goes, are you serious, Ricky? He goes, yeah. And so he starts explaining again. You know, in college, I had this brain aneurysm, so the doctors told me I have to wear this because if I take another shot there, I could literally die from it. He goes, man, you know, I had a guy, I had to play with a guy in Toronto, had the same thing. And John just looks at him and goes, yeah, that was me, that Ricky. Was me. <laughs> that was me. He got a bonus check. The, the bonus million check dollars. Story? Yeah, tell that story. Million, what, million dollars. Ricky, Ricky, Ricky Henderson jag right now. Okay. Signing bonus with the Yankees. And then I think it was New York Magazine came to do a big feature on him. <laughs> and they're taking pictures and stuff, whatever, you know. And I, either the reporter or the photographer, one yeah. or the other or both, they're like, you know, Ricky, is you, is that your million dollar check? He goes, yeah, you know, I keep that in the frame, whatever. They're like, you never cashed it? Oh, no, no. It's, they got, I got the money. And then sure enough, the Yankees saw this article and everything, and they're like, that's where that the bookkeeping had been off by a million dollars for like the past year because oh he had the million dollar check he in a never frame. Cashed a million dollar check, just framed it. Oops, I forgot to deposit it. That's gonna be you after you hit your Rangers future. Yeah. You get that, that six fifty or seven hundred dollars. Um, what so do we want to talk? I want to. I oh. want to talk about yeah. his connection with Dana White in the UFC. Okay, man, yeah, I know sure. you're a huge UFC fan. Because I, dude, I've even, I'll admit, Marty, there's been a few times where I've been watching. I love the UFC also, too, man. I'm a big fan of it. And I love when I look up there, I'm like, there's Marty, man, like <laughs> right behind Dana and stuff, man. So do you pretty much make most of the Vegas events? Yeah, I, I make all the Vegas events if I'm in town. Uh, like I'm going to New York with him uh, coming up next a week from today. Uh, I go to all of them. It was, it was when I retired, I was traveling with him so much. People thought I worked for the UFC. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I'm just really like a hanger. He's on. a bodyguard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've been friends for so long since we well, were high school to, or grade yeah, school or whatever. Yeah. We, were, we were young kids. We've been friends for over 40 years. So, uh, so he's like fly on the plane with him and stuff. Yeah, he has nice. his own plane, and, and he takes like, just a couple guys that How are friends. How's he that? No, he flies. <laughs> he flies southwest, and he always forgets to get the boy. I'm in C again. Damn it! It's um, funny you mention that though, because he, when he first started with the UFC, uh, you know, there's a whole long story about that with Lorenzo Fertitta and Frank that got into jujitsu and wanted to buy it, paid two million. That's a long story. Yeah. Okay, but in the beginning, he was flying southwest, and he flew <laughs> a lot of southwest flights. 
I helped him out a long time ago getting on Best Damn Sports Show with my agent. He's come a long way, and he's earned every dollar he's made and and more. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So (laughs) how about we talk? I just want to ask, what do you think of the power slaps? Have you got to go to those? I was just there last Wednesday was the finale. It's it's it's. I said to I put it on my on my Instagram and I said it kind of is like watching nonstop highlight reel. It's like watching a boxing match and you're waiting for the knockout and it may never come. It's coming and, it's, and so forth. it's it's he's genius in the fact that he got a lot of these social media influencers involved in it. These young kids that really have have a shorter attention span nowadays. So they're posting about it. He takes care of them. Takes care of them at the Red Rock Casino, and so there. This is the vibe in there. The first finale was was good. Then as the production got better, as the production. Is, is fantastic of all the of UFC events. Craig Basari is a good friend. He's the head of production. He's amazing. And it's just getting better and better. And so this last Wednesday was really amazing. The, the, the feel was, was awesome. The energy was great. You know, it's not for everybody, but that's okay. A lot of things aren't for everybody. Right. But uh, he, was there. he turned something into that people thought was a joke into a company that's going to be worth a billion dollars here shortly. <laughs> well, we were going to show footage of it. We don't have the footage. So if you guys could reenact how the, the slap fight works real quick. <laughs> I get to go first. You get to go first. <laughs> I mean, what's the guy, the Hawaiian, big Hawaiian? The crazy Hawaiian. The yeah. crazy Hawaiian, man. Ryan was there, and he shot some footage for us. This, this thing's did, insane. Did you challenge him, Ryan? No, I did not. That guy's <laughs> 380-some pounds. Oh, jeez. Yeah. So, no thank you. One thing, though, that is, is really kind of unfortunate, and I, I'm, maybe they're going to do something like um, – Another friend of ours, Skip Kelp, had, had an idea we were talking about a year or two ago, is now to who gets to go first, slap first, is a coin toss, which to me, there's, you know, obviously there's no skill involved, it's pure right. luck. But if they had something like in Family Feud where it was like <laughs> the countdown and you had to hit the buzzer, that would be a little bit of, and if you go first, you lose. So it'd be a, a competition, it could be more content for them to have. Again, I'm not telling Dana how yeah. to run his business, he's the professional, I'm just a guy watching, and this was Skip Kelp's idea, but I thought that was... Because a couple of them, the last one that was the NFL ex-football player, I think, believe for Jacksonville, yeah. he got hit first. And I'm like, this guy's going to kill the other guy. But he got knocked out. And True. he almost got up, but he couldn't quite get his bearings. So it's right. like, he will bring him back for next season. But again, what if he draws the second slap again? Then you, you never get a chance to show your, <laughs> you know, it's not really 100% fair or based on pure skill or talent. Sure. I done. Was your manager in Baltimore, Sammy Prolazo? He was a bench coach. Oh, okay. <laughs> you're still no, trying no, to think of the Italian guy. Yeah, Har- you're still Hargrove, trying to think. Hargrove yeah. was, the, the manager in uh, Baltimore was a real Italian, dark-haired guy. Uh, I know I'm, I'm being crazy. He I know, it's a long time. Cal Ripken Sr. Mazzilli? Mazzilli. I said Lee Mazzilli. It's not Lee Mazzilli. No, it's not Lee Mazzilli. So that was 2004, 2005. Mike Hargrove was 2000, 2003. It was Lee Mazzilli. Was it Lee Mazzilli? And then there was Lee Mazzilli or what was with Braves, or what was that? Leo Mazzoni, oh, the pitching coach. Yeah, Leo Mazzoni was a Met. He played for the Mets. Yes. I think he was there in 87. He, he played for the Pirates. I really liked yeah. him. Yeah, oh, Mazzoni was he with the Yankees. Oh, was he really? He's old school uh, he's, Italian. Yeah, yeah, right. Total old school Italian. I remember. <laughs> I heard stories about him around town. He was very old school Italian. Here, do you want to uh, go? Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, get to that. All right. So, Marty, you know, with your looks and everything, too, we figure that you probably have done some TV stuff in your time. And uh, in fact, I think you did do a big appearance once upon a time, didn't you, Frank? I believe we have some footage, Marty. Uh oh. Of you on Saturday Night Live. Uh, Jeff Passero of the Seattle Mariners. Well, that's not a stiff walk. (laughs) Hey. Benjamin? (laughs) Yeah, it's Danny. Mind if we smoke? (laughs) Then you're puffing. That's the first and last time I've ever smoked a cigar. Is that right? That was the first and last cigar? Impressive that you didn't cough. I'm such a natural. (laughs) 
That was that was a lot of fun. That, that would have been great if he'd. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. So, so tell us how that came about. This this is a sketch. I think Helen Hunt was the host. It's ninety six, ninety seven, yeah. and all these. Ba it's called Baseball Dreams. You can watch it on YouTube right here. We're after the after the show. After you uh, so subscribe. After after what? After you subscribe. After you subscribe. Because uh, Mike Zilla six six seven already won the contest, but keep subscribing. <laughs> uh, yeah, tell us how that happened. Uh, also, Jack Nicholson was the co-host. Oh my God! So he, I got to meet him too. Oh, nice! Really cool because they were promoting as good as it gets that movie. Yeah, exactly. So right. They were, they were promoting that. So how it happened was our, my agent Sam and Seth Levinson of Aces. They have a big group of guys, a lot of New York dudes, and they had Todd Zeal. Yeah. And so when we would go there for this at Mickey Mantle's, we'd have a charity event every year for oh, Christmas wow. time. So we went there, and then Todd Zeal was like, "Hey, I want to go watch Saturday Night Live." So he had his assistant call Saturday Night Live and said, "I got." You know, 20 guys were in town. They want to come watch the, the Saturday Night Live. And they said, would they be interested in doing a skit? He's like, well, I don't know. Let me ask them. So we had no clue before we even got there that we were going to do this. They had to FedEx our uniforms in and things. So uh, as, you, as, you, as you may or may not know, they do a dress rehearsal twice. Yeah, right. So the, the one is live, but it doesn't go live. Correct. It's still live. They do two hours, too, and then they pick the best 90 minutes. Yeah. But yeah. And so when we did the first one, it was like unbelievably perfect. Everybody <laughs> had their lines absolutely perfect. The second one wasn't bad, yeah. but it was just a little bit a little bit not 100% perfect. But uh, it was a lot of fun. We had a bunch of cool dudes. You know, as Danny Den knows, these, when you're an athlete, it's like family. You're around guys so yeah. much, and these dudes are all awesome, cool dudes. Get the chance to do that was amazing. Yeah, we got to go ice skating. Uh, at oh, and Rockefeller. Oh, with wow. Jack Nicholson. We got a picture of the frame of the group and uh, nice. Chris Tan. Oh, and also uh, Will Ferrell, who I love. Will Ferrell. Oh my God. Oh, he's <laughs> in the sketch with you. Broken. If you watch the full sketch, <laughs> yeah. yeah, Will Ferrell plays this this yeah. guy like I played a little minor league ball yeah. and all these major leaguers. <laughs> yeah. It's a hysterical sketch and. Uh, um, I, 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 wa I just stumbled upon it when I was reading your bio. I was like, oh, my God. And I remembered the sketch mm -hmm. because I, it was like all these baseball players. I had Todd Zeal, like Greg, Greg Jeffries. Yeah. And I th is it Rondell White? Was Rondell White in yeah, it? Rondell White, yeah, Rondell. Floyd, uh, Scott Rowland. Uh, yeah. Hall of Famer, but but Floyd or Floyd or White didn't have their uniform. They sent an Expos T-shirt, yeah. so maybe FedEx didn't work from he Canada. Get it in faster. <laughs> right. I know. Everyone has a uniform on. He's just wearing an Expos T-shirt. I'm like, wait a second. One of these things doesn't fit. It was supposed to be there, but he could have probably went to any sports store and just got an Expos yes. jersey. Yeah. It did look a little funny. Though. Yeah, it did. Because <laughs> he's like the he only one not in a jersey. Guy. I was wondering what the story is, yeah. and now I know. And scene, that's a comedy clip that Jerry will cut together later. All right. Um, what, uh, what, did we find the Shaq story in, or not about Stevie Wonder being blind? We don't have to show it. Do we have it? Okay. I thought the Shaq, the footage of him falling off the stage and his shoe coming off was the form. Oh, my God. Oh, by the way, the TNT NBA show is hysterical oh every time God. you watch it. Those guys together are amazing. I don't know. Do we have the story or not? I'll just tell it. Yep. Yep. We got it? All right. Watch this clip. And listen to Shaq tell the story about Stevie Wonder. Don't do it. No, okay. no, no, no. Go ahead. I know what you're going to ask me. You think Stevie Wonder can see? Listen. <laughs> what are you talking about? What are you talking listen, about? That's saying, the craziest thing ever. I'm saying we lived in a building together on Wilshire Boulevard. Talk to me. Wait. All right. Wait, you lived in a building with Stevie. With Stevie. Okay. We used to have to drive to the bottom underneath the parking car. <laughs> I'm coming to the first floor that day. It goes down, because when I got in, I didn't press the button. So it went down first. Stevie got in. I'm standing in the corner. I didn't say nothing. And he looked over and he's like, what up, big diesel? And he <laughs> his head, hit his button and got off. <laughs> Man, I, that, that's, Come on. I'm telling you what happened. I don't know if I was smelling from practice that day, but he just turned around. <laughs> What's up, diesel? Hit his button. Yeah. <laughs>
That's hysterical. Yeah, it's, and he tells the story on NBA, on the TNT show. Oh, my and Kenny God. Smith's like, tell the story. I know the story. It's hysterical. Tell the story. Uh, that's hysterical. I want to talk about football real quick. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, last night, we were at dinner, and the uh, news-breaking story. news. Um, Josh McDaniel fired as the coach. The, the GM, we have a, a picture of the two of them. Very excited. Is it Ziegler, David Ziegler, and, uh, and uh, Josh McDaniel fired by the Raiders in the middle of the night. There's the 22. That stands for, uh, that's not the year they signed. That's how many losses there? That's how, that's how many gains <laughs> their 10 year lasted, which is actually one of the 24. I think it's 24. 24. 25. Fired in the middle of the night. Now, the rumor, I was telling you before the show, I got to tell you this rumor. So, this is on the internet. We don't know if it's true. But Josh McDaniel came after the after the loss uh, to the Lions on Monday Night Football, dressed as owner Mark Davis, complete with the haircut. I don't know. And they sat and he and, and I guess Mark Davis has this PF Chang's order that he loves getting. And the PF Chang's order came, and he's having lunch with them. And uh, he suggests Davis suggests McDaniel's read his fortune cookie, which read, "You're fired, hotshot." In the fortune cookie. No way. I don't know. First of all. Does he have a fortune cookie guy on retainer that he can just print up fortune cookies? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it's true, but I don't know if that's true or not, but that's going around the internet. And if that's I true, I kind of hope it's true because that's, I know. that's hilarious. <laughs> I mean, that's like any fired him of, it's got to be the first firing from a fortune cookie. I would think, <laughs> um, have you ever been fired from a job? Either that's one of you pre cookie. I mean, when you get released, I guess oh. it's the same. And by the way, we asked AI to show us what that would look like. And there it is. <laughs> so you can do anything on AI now. Do we put Ryan put Josh McDaniels. Is this another one? That's him reading it. Yeah. That's him. By the way, the largest fortune cookies I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and his hair doesn't look like that. And his hair yeah, doesn't no, quite look. No. He looks like Peyton Manning in that, yeah, by the that's way. That's what I thought it was. Yeah. I thought it was bad. Like, Peyton Manning got fired by the Raiders? Um, I mean, yeah. the, the closest thing that we have to being fired is being released from a team. Right. So my, my last year playing ball, Marty was there that year, actually, in spring training. With in the, Tampa with Bay? The, yeah, Tampa okay. Bay Rays. And uh, when, uh, dude, I was like already kind of like checked out mentally and everything. You know, like Marty had talked about earlier, too. Sometimes you just reach that point right. and you just know. And so Lou, Lou calls me in, you know, dude, and they brought me in to kind of be like the veteran guy, but then they signed Nomo after me. I was like eight months out of shoulder surgery. Nomo was like 16 months. So he was ready to go. And so long story short, Lou calls me in and starts giving me the Bull Durham speech. Yeah, I was you know, this is the toughest job manager's got to do, Denny, like that, you know, and he literally starts that, the same conversation that, same that way. way. I go, Lou, are you giving me the Bull Durham speech right now? <laughs> I go, if you are, I go, you can save it. I said, Lou, yeah. I've done everything I ever thought I would do. And then some in this game, I said, I'm fine, man. I can walk away with my head, with my head held high. He goes, Oh, well, shit. Then he goes, that made my job a lot easier. <laughs> They're going to have a day game. He goes, you want a beer? I go, yeah, I'll have a beer with you. So I sat there in his office, had his beer with him. He goes, this was the easiest release I ever had to do. Oh, wow. Yeah, <laughs> wow. I don't even remember that spring training because when I came there, I was having a lot of back problems. And I, I couldn't even work out the way I wanted to, just doing drills to get in shape. And it was killing me. And so I called him and said, look, I, I don't even want to play. And he's like, same thing. He's like, we're trying to get some veteran players here. The team was terrible. He's like, look, you don't have to. He thought maybe I wanted shortcuts or something. And right. He's like, you don't have to do what all the other guys are doing. I said, look, it's not that. I just, it hurts so much that I don't have any passion for the game. Mm -hmm. I don't want to go out and be miserable. I'd rather just shut it down. So I kind of just, it was mutual at that point. He's like, I, I get it. There's okay. Like, I, well, I was disappointed to see Marty go because we hadn't played together since our twins days and stuff. Yeah. But, but I can't say I was extremely disappointed because. Once he got there, I was the second best looking guy on the team. <laughs> <laughs> and third best looking in the studio. Right, Marty! Should we talk about what, where he just came from? I was just going to go there. Go for oh, it, man. Yeah, no, no we have Marty, why don't you, I'll just throw it over to you. Yeah. I mean, you were telling us beforehand, too, that you just got back in Costa Rica and you've had a pretty cool experience there the last few years. Yeah, uh, I won't get too deep into it, but uh, 
I had struggled with some alcohol things and just other things in my life that weren't really going great. When I turned 50, I decided to make a change. So I had uh, read a lot. Uh, the business that I owned, we had uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza was a client. He talked about similar things uh, to ayahuasca with DMT, releasing in your brain naturally through meditation. This Joe Rogan's a friend and a client as well. And so he had talked about deprivation tanks, doing DMT. So I decided to go down to a place called Rhythmia in Costa Rica and have this week-long experience, which was very life-changing. It's like 20 years of therapy in a week. Very brutal wow. experience. Uh, very difficult. The most difficult thing I've ever done, but the most rewarding. So therefore, I really started to fall in love with the country, and I came back there with my dad last year for his 83rd birthday and my brother for his 60th birthday just this last week. And I had always been considering maybe buying a house there because uh, the market's very good for rentals there. There's not a lot of houses. And so it, it, the cards fell in place where there was a house that would be finished December 10th, and uh, I loved it, and I could make some modifications to it myself, and it would be great for the rental market. So I said, I'm going to make the jump and buy it, and then I'll be able to have my family and friends go there. Wow. And, yeah. Maybe not ayahuasca is in the future for me. I don't necessarily think I need to do it, or maybe I will, maybe I won't. It's it's not something you do recreationally. It's not even something someone that says, you know, I was thinking of doing that. I'm not sure. I'd say, don't, don't do it. Right. It has to be like a, a serious calling. There's people there that have had children that were killed in car accidents, a lot of tragic things that they can't get over, and it helps them heal. So it's wow. not something to play around with because it can really affect a normal person, maybe in a bad way, if you're doing something, opening up these doors that maybe you shouldn't. Wow, that's fascinating. And and what else are you up to now that you're you're you've had these awakenings and you're back here running businesses? But what else? What does Marty do tomorrow? What are you up to tomorrow? Yeah, well, I had started a company with a couple of friends called Bent Pixels. We were a social media company, and about oh. two years ago, I sold my interest in that. We had spun off a tech company called Paladin Software that actually I'd worked with a team in Poland to develop software that our competitors use, like full screen broadband TV. These big maker studio for our competitors. They licensed our software. Ended up selling both of those businesses. That's when I really could focus on just getting myself straight and doing passion projects, uh, working on breath work, meditation, cold exposure, just getting in a better place mentally to where I could uh, be a service to other people. Wow. I know it sounds cheesy, but, no, no, no. Not at but all. really when you're, when you're going through dark places, and, and, and Denny could maybe speak of this too, is a lot of people say, oh, if I had money and fame and this, I'd be so happy. And I'm like, I had that, and I wasn't happy. And, I, and it was just something inside of me that was feeling that way. It wasn't necessarily anything I did per se, but... There were some things I wasn't proud of, but the point is that doesn't make you happy. And, and I realized then that helping other people, just being a good guy, talking to people, talking to strangers, being a good member of society is, is, is where I really feel comfortable. Wow. That, that's awesome, Marty. Yeah. And what is the cold? What was the cold therapy thing or what were you talking about? So that's kind of, I got into this uh, breathing stuff at Tumo Breath. And then Wim Hof is a guy that's out of the Netherlands. It's been his Iceman. He's been doing this for like 60 years. The Iceman. Not, yeah. Not George Gervin, yeah. but the yeah. Iceman. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I saw him on Real Sports. I yes. think I know you're talking about. Yeah. Yep. So he does this a lot. I got into yeah. this. And then now even Dana's really, he uses a guy named Gary Brecka who got him in, into this amazing shape. Dana dropped from like 250 down to one. He late yesterday was like 192. He looks Oof. amazing. He was on high blood pressure medication, taking high cholesterol shots. He, he was a wreck. And he, Jeez. I mean, he just thought that's what 50 felt like, but he was miserable. And so then he, in the period of like a year and a half, he's completely changed. No more meds, no more nothing. See, he's off all the meds. Yeah, all wow. That's awesome, man. He's on a keto diet, which he got him on. And yep. so now, now in the last probably a year or so, he's really gotten into the cold exposure. And what it does is when you go into 50 degrees is probably the right temperature for three to five minutes, releases the shock enzyme or protein in your liver. And it, it does a lot of healing there, it raises your uh, immune system. But it also then, for me, one of the most important things was the power of will. Like, uh, it's a little battle. You don't want to do it. It feels terrible, but, but you do it. And then when you're out, like Joe Rogan's a big proponent of right. it. Like, I battle my inner 
bitch. I'll sure. Word, right? That's okay. You <laughs> Every can, day you can and say it's inner. a little victory. Yeah. So when you do drugs or alcohol or even sex or things like that, your dopamine is going to swing to the right. And then always it's going to swing back to the left. And that's where addicts have a problem is back and forth. Okay. But with this, you're pulling to the left and you're suffering, but you're doing it on your own terms. But then when mm -hmm. you stop, your endorphins raise and dopamine levels raise for like three and a half hours. They've measured that. Wow. Um, after but you come out. How is the shrinkage though on that when you're in the cold <laughs> therapy? Because that's what I'd be concerned about. You know, you don't. Well, when you go from like this to this, it's not that big. <laughs> <laughs> when you totally go from Cordova to Nasal, <laughs> yeah, Frank, Frank thinks this is six inches. So. <laughs> I use the metric system, Danny. I use metric system. Uh, what, what, just out of curiosity, yeah, Marty, no. how, how's, what's the longest you've been able to do the cold tub for? I don't, because it, it really, if you do it for more, it becomes ego. And it, I, I typically do it for like, I'm going to go do it today at a, at a place here where I do this, this breath work and cold exposure. I'll do probably. 48 degrees for five minutes. And then sometimes I'll just be feeling like I want to stay in there longer. Cause I don't like to get out at the end of the five minutes. Like it's, I want to get out of my terms. Yeah. It sounds stupid, <laughs> yeah, no, no, I get it. Yeah. I, it's I challenge yourself. Stay a little longer. And again, it's just more for me to just say, I'm not going to give in to something. And when you struggle with something like this, it makes little things in life more easily to deal with. You don't yeah, have to stress as much. Guy cut you off. You're like, whatever. It's a big deal. <laughs> yeah. You just learn to deal with life a little better. Now on a lighter note, we're talking about cold and you getting into a cold machine. There's a story about a tanning bed that happened to Marty. Do you mind? That's right. Yeah. I do remember. I'll tell you the story. And I've said this on a couple of podcasts. That's okay. not at all what happened. Okay. Uh, Cause there's a, there's a story that is what that it's really ridiculous that somebody could, first of all, tanning beds turn off and right. they don't burn your beard. Because I only was burned right here. Okay. And so I'm sure you were you in guys, a tanning bed, is what happened. No, I was not in a Oh, you weren't even in a tanning bed. It has nothing to do with the tanning bed. This is a reporter who took a story and went with it, was completely false. Okay. Reporters do that? Nah. <laughs> so what truly happened was I, uh, there's a plastic surgeon that I knew in Vegas. And at the time, I had a really heavy beard and it would scratch my neck and my, when I would wear suits. Yeah. So I had him do a hit laser hair removal. That's why the burn was like quarter size burns. Oh, okay. So he didn't have the settings proper on this machine and it made big burns on my face that turned into water blisters and then these black oh. scars. Oh, man. So I thought I was going to be scarred the rest of my life. Yeah. And it was a terrible thing, but I chose to do it because I just didn't want to have that irritation of, of this stubble I had. And when you turn, it rips you. Yeah, I yeah it that. just was bothering me. Yeah. A little bit of vanity, maybe all of these things combined. And so I did it and then I had to live through it. I didn't sue him. I didn't make a big deal, but I didn't want to even say anything because I didn't want to put him in a bad light. So they, this story came out and it was so frustrating because it wasn't the truth. I mean, how do you fall asleep in a tanning bed and only have your beard <laughs> right. burned? Nothing else. I didn't have, I'd look just like this except <laughs> burns the size of... And Jim Palmer actually came up to me in the clubhouse and he's like, this ain't no tanning bed. He, right. It looks like laser to me. And he knew. <laughs> well, Jim said, Palmer was, he was a guy who took care of himself right yeah. there. Now, is there shrinkage in tanning beds? I'm just wondering <laughs> if there's issues with that as well. I believe there is, is what I told the girl when I came out without a tie. That's why. That's why, no. Um, well, I, listen, Marty, I know you're a Vegas guy. You guys have known each other for how long, Danny? Oh my God, we got drafted the same year. Yeah, right? by the so Twins, we, we right? met in Elizabeth in Tennessee yeah. in 1989. It's been a long oh, you're playing the minors together. Yes. He came up a lot quicker in the minors than I did, though, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, and then he got traded to the Pirates, which yeah. that's how we met. And this is the third day you've been here. Denny's been on the show twice. He was our first repeat uh, guest uh, via video. And I, I, I gave someone else the credit at first. I'm sorry. I, I thought this. I'm Denny. I'm sorry. I forgot because we're. Don't let it happen again. I know. I won't let it happen again. But uh, you came out here and you've been here for three days, and this has been so much fun. You brought Greg Vaughn in. We had Tom Glavin for God's sakes, and now Marty Cordova's come in here, and uh, it's been it's been amazing. So we really appreciate you having. You're always welcome to come back. Uh, Ryan, anything else over there on live comments or Mike Zillick chime in? <laughs>
Nothing more. Just come. come back for tomorrow's episode. Come back for tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow will be. It'll be an episode, but it'll be lonely. I will be here. You know, I got Jeff coming. Me. Jeff Parles is going to be here from Sports by the Book, which you can watch at three o'clock today. Tomorrow. Three? Tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I really have to learn the schedule. Can we put it up somewhere so I know the schedule? Big bold of letters. All the shows. What's that? Big bold letters. I'm screwing up, ever. But uh, tonight's the World Series. So, Denny, you're you're leaving town tonight. You're out of here tonight. Yep, got to get back to the family, man. Take care of some family. Private stuff. jet. You have the private yeah, jet here. Yeah, at the yeah. Marty's giving me his. Okay, that'll be nice. Uh, anyway, so listen, honestly, thank you for being here so much, man. This has been this meant the world to me. We've hung out. We watch baseball together. I've known him like 30 plus years. He he picks up checks a lot. That was a little <laughs> joke. Uh, Marty, fascinating stories, man. You're a fascinating guy. And all those things. And Zufa Boxing, we didn't even ask about. But what is Zufa Boxing, quickly? Uh, Zufa was the parent company that owned the UFC in the beginning. Oh. And people just thought it was the UFC, but it was Zufa. That was the company that uh, Lorenzo and Frank Fertitta put together. So that's like a vintage shirt, Zufa. Uh, no. Well, it no? was Zufa Entertainment. And then okay. uh, Dana was entertaining boxing. And he, he does a lot of things people don't know that he's doing. And yeah. And working on the side of different projects. So Zufa Boxing was something that he's he's passionate about boxing. Very passionate yeah. about it. And he doesn't like the way the sport's been running off yeah. over the years well how about very, this past very... weekend with that fight the tyson fury fight with what's his name oh I my thought. gosh yeah. francis and yeah. Gano, yeah did you see the post game photos tyson fury's all beat up and he looked fine and he won that fight from what i've heard i didn't see it but it sounded like fury didn't beat him yeah it was close but to be fair fury came in really out of shape really yeah, i didn't think he really underestimated him because he had saw a lot of these ex-ufc fighters are fighting jake paul right. yeah and they're not boxers and they looked like they'd never even thrown a punch in their life right so I think some of the videos I saw of Francis like spar just hitting the mitts. I'm like, oh my, he's gonna get killed. Yeah, because Fury is so skillful and talented yeah. and evasive. I'm like, he won't even hit him. But I didn't watch the fight. Uh, but apparently he tried to slug with him because Ningano didn't rush him like he expected. Right. He was gonna counter punch. So he ended up being an aggressor at times and then got caught with that left. Hook. Yeah. Oh wow. All right. Well, listen, we had two Hideo Nomo mentions. <laughs> no swearings. This has been an epic show. Uh, episode 18 is in the books. We really appreciate you guys watching the show. Again, subscribe. This link will be up for you to share. Uh, share this with your friends. We love. We're, we're getting bigger and bigger. Our numbers are growing. We really appreciate you guys watching. And Denny, once again, thank you for coming and bringing, bringing your Rolodex with you. A Rolodex, Ryan, was an old <laughs> instrument where you had cards and you went through it alphabetically and you could pull it out. And now they have... Palm Pilots. Wait, what are they? Palm Pilots. <laughs> wow. Boy, talk about hazing yourself. <laughs> a file of facts. Remember those? Anyway, you have iPhones. But anyway, it was an old way. But thank you for bringing everybody in. Uh, we love you guys watching. Thank you. This is it. Punchlines. We're wrapped till tomorrow. Thanks for watching. Go Rangers. Wrap it up. Bring you home your money, Ryan. Yes, sir. Go All right, Rangers. Punchlines. Every show live in Nevada.